Good afternoon. Welcome to For the Record. I'm Caleb Harder. My guest today is Elizabeth May, the leader of the Green Party, and we're going to be talking about the Paris Agreement on climate change and how it will affect Canadians. All right, so talking about climate change, what is the main point of this agreement? Well, the Paris Agreement is uh, not the first global agreement to deal with climate change, and it's basically a product of the 1992 treaty that all countries on Earth signed, uh, which was the uh, Framework Convention on Climate Change. Uh, and that agreement said that all nations on Earth understood that climate change was real, was caused by burning fossil fuels, that we had to act. Now, as you can imagine, since that was 1992 and we haven't acted, it, it wasn't the perfect agreement. It didn't have any timelines or deadlines in the Framework Convention on Climate Change. So the 19, the, the, all the years since, we've had 21 conferences of the parties, uh, of the parties that actually ratified the Framework Convention on Climate Change, trying to find a way forward. Uh, and the Paris Agreement is, is basically the best we could get at this point. Uh, there are deficiencies in it. That's, there's no doubt about it. But what the agreement does is it, it does not save us from the worst uh, threats of climate change. The Paris Agreement gives us a chance to save ourselves from those worst impacts. It gives us a work plan going forward, and we can either step up and meet it or we can fail again. Now, why is this important to Canadians? By far, the vast majority of Canadians know uh, climate change is a real and present danger, is a threat, and is caused by our addiction to fossil fuels. Uh, the particular impacts for Canadians, bearing in mind the adage that climate change is global, but impacts and disasters are local. Uh, the things that, that have befallen Canada already that are likely due to climate change, extended uh, periods of drought, uh, loss to agriculture as a result, increased uh, frequency and severity of, of ice storms in southern Ontario, southern Quebec, storm surges on all our coasts, increased severity and numbers of, of wildfire events, increased storm damage of all kinds. Uh, it, so when you look at the totality of what we're already experiencing with roughly one degree global average temperature increase above what it was before the Industrial Revolution, uh, current trajectories of uh, fossil fuel use into the future take us to three times as much as that. So we're going from a time where the impacts of climate change are dangerous, but with forethought and planning and disaster relief manageable. Uh, if we don't act, we could go well past that zone where things are manageable and into a, into a very, very scary future where the climate impacts become so severe and so frequent that economies and countries begin to fall apart. And that's why we need to act uh, m much sooner than later. So how would one balance the benefits of a reduction in carbon emissions with the economic impact on businesses and Canadians? Well, fortunately, you don't have to balance because done well and done correctly, uh, acting on climate change is good for the Canadian economy. There is no, and this is a, a, a frequently repeated but completely false dichotomy, that somehow acting on climate change will cost the Canadian economy. Uh, there are already more jobs in Canada in what's referred to as the clean tech sector, than in the oil sense. And that's before 
the the economy in Alberta began to shrink as a result of the plummeting price of a barrel of oil. So the kinds of things that we need to do that will both stimulate our economy and respond to the climate crisis are such things as expanding renewables in electricity, improving east-west electricity grids so that we can get our friends next door in Alberta off the pole. Uh, the things we can do involve hiring a vast army of carpenters and electricians and plumbers and, and going at our leaky buildings to retrofit them so that they will stop being 30% uh, source of 30% of all the greenhouse gas emissions in Canada from leaky buildings. So the, the, the transition of our economy away from fossil fuels and into uh, a, a, a cleaner and healthier uh, economy with better air quality and lower health costs, all of these things are positives that are co-benefits to going off fossil fuels. But there's no need to balance because there's not a, they're, they're, they're properly planned and designed. Uh, economic prosperity for Canadians improves as more people are employed in making the transition off fossil fuels. Now, is there any wording in the agreement on alternatives to current energy resources? There, it, the Paris Agreement itself is not designed as a prescription for what individual countries will do. So it doesn't lay out, you know, instead of fossil fuels, we suggest you do the following. There's a general recognition that renewable energy is going to be a positive thing, but the details of the way the legal agreement is worded don't include specific sectors. I'm often asked, for instance, what does the Paris Agreement say about livestock production? Well, it, it doesn't, because the, the, the agreement is one among and between um, 100 and uh, you know, the, all basically all the countries on earth uh, negotiating parties to the agreement who have agreed that we need to transition away from fossil fuels. Um, some countries will do it differently from others. That's, that's the decision that's made domestically by nations around the world. Fortunately, we, we have a lot of good and abundant examples of countries that are making uh, the transition away from fossil fuels, pricing carbon appropriately, ending subsidizing fossil fuels, and allowing uh, right now very competitive prices in the renewable energy sector uh, to win their their space uh, in our electricity grid. R right now, for instance, solar photovoltaic, which is the, the direct uh, uh, transformation of the sun's energy hitting a roof panel uh, directly into electricity to the building below. I mean, it's, it's, it's great technology, but solar photovoltaic tiles right now uh, have dropped in price to such an extent that if you're looking at building a new facility for electricity, uh, solar is cheaper than coal, which is an extraordinary development. So the, globally, the markets are moving away from fossil fuels quite sharply, and, and global investments in renewable energy, and for the first time in 2014, global investments in renewable energy exceeded global investments in fossil fuels. And 2015 did so again, but by a much larger margin. So investment dollars aren't driven by climate scientists' warnings. Investment dollars are going to where they're going to make money. And globally, there's a very significant trend of moving away from fossil fuels. You're listening to Evolutions for the Record. I'm Caleb Harder, and my guest today is Elizabeth May, the leader of the Green Party. We're discussing the Paris Agreement on climate change and how it will affect Canadians. Now, I want to ask you, what do you think is the most promising part of this agreement? I think that the, the targets are sufficient to the challenge. So the fact that the targets are to avoid 1.5 degrees global average temperature increase uh, 
uh, and certainly to avoid two. I mean, it's it, they're, they're, that is a challenge. The, the window of opportunity to avoid going above 1.5 is closing rapidly, and I'm really hoping the Canadian government will seize the challenge and immediately improve the target for our global emissions. We, we still have the same target as a nation that was put in place by the previous conservative government, and it certainly does not translate into the 1.5 degrees. We're pulling our fair share of achieving uh, 1.5 degrees Celsius above what it was before the Industrial Revolution is uh, going to require much more effort on the part of all countries on Earth. And that's that's um, it's promising that we have the right target, but we don't have, certainly at the moment, we don't have the commitments from countries to get there. Now, lastly, I want to ask you, what do you believe could have been addressed in this agreement but was not? Well, unfortunately, and that's a great question, unfortunately, although it was in some of the original draft text to figure out how to work on emissions from international shipping and international aviation, uh, those proved too problematic for countries to agree to include them in the Paris Agreement. Uh, there is work going on elsewhere about that, but a, a, as you can imagine, a significant amount of greenhouse gases come from international shipping and aviation. And because it, the countries have never been able to quite figure out, well, if, you know, under the Kyoto Protocol negotiations, for instance, back in 1997, there was a discussion about, well, what do we do about a plane that takes off from JFK and lands in Heathrow? Who's responsible for those emissions? And not coming up with a good answer, they left it to the side. But the the emissions from shipping and aviation globally are, are the equivalent of a, of a, certainly more collectively than all of Canada. So we need to deal with that, uh, and 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 quickly. Uh, so that was that was one gap. But other than that, given the draft text that we had after four years of negotiating to get ready for the Paris negotiations, uh, at virtually every turn, the language got tougher, the agreement got more ambitious as the negotiations proceeded uh, in December of 2015 in Paris, which was, I think, a remarkable testament to the integrity of the uh, the chair of the meeting who called us to remember that this was about saving ourselves. This was not a small agreement. We wouldn't get another chance. So Lohan Fabius, who chaired the meeting, really did inspire uh, greater ambition in the negotiations. And, and full credit to our Minister of Environment and Climate Change, Catherine McKenna, because thanks to her, Canada was one of the first countries in the, in the industrialized world to agree to put 1.5 in the agreement and not, not settle on a kind of a mushy two. Uh, two degrees is still hard to achieve. Uh, that is to stay no more than two degrees Celsius global average temperature above what the global average was before the Industrial Revolution. I'd like to thank you, Elizabeth, for taking the time to talk with me about this today. Okay, well, thank you for your time. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to For the Record on Evolution 1079. My guest has been Elizabeth May, the leader of the Federal Green Party.